welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Today is Wednesday, July 1st, 2020, and I'm coming to you from Dallas, Texas. Today, we are joined by two extraordinary women, Lauren McAfee, as well as Carla Thrasher, to talk about sharing your child's story, as well as how we can guard our child's story through social media and what we tell others about our child's story. It's important for us to remember that our child's story is not just our story, but it's theirs as well. And so even at those points where our story intersects with their story, we need to make sure that we are honoring what we say about them and what we do, especially when we go to the internet, to social media, and to broadcast media with their story. Before we listen to these women and have this discussion, I want to remind you about our parent coaching process and our parent coaching that's available. Parent coaching is a service available for any parent who needs additional insight into their child's behavior. It's tailored to each family and each child. These are 45 to 60 minute sessions filled with proven tools and techniques to use in building additional strengths in parenting. And so if you're having difficulties in any way with how to meet your child or how to help your child or how to bridge the gap in bonding with your child, please visit lifelinechild.org backslash parent coaching. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash parent coaching for more information and to be connected with a Lifeline staff member who can help you get a coaching time scheduled. Well, welcome to the Defender Podcast. I am so delighted to be joined uh, by two extraordinary women who love the Lord with all their heart, mind, and soul, and uh, two uh, great moms that I know as well. And the first is Carla Thrasher, who is our international director here at Lifeline Children's Services. And I have had the great distinct pleasure of serving with Carla for 17 years. I've watched her children uh, be raised in her home and sent out. And uh, she leads our team with such integrity. Uh, as well as Lauren Mahaffey, uh, who is with us today as well. And Lauren and her husband have adopted a little girl from China. Uh, Lauren has been the public liaison for Hobby Lobby Corporate and, co- and currently is a public coordinator uh, at, uh, at our project coordinator at Hobby Lobby. And so we're grateful to have Lauren on as well. Uh, so ladies, I, I guess first, you know, we, we're coming here today to talk a little bit about telling your child's story, but also guarding your child's story. Uh, so all of these children that come to us through adoption, they have stories that start well before our families, uh, but they certainly continue after our families. And, and so we want to we wanna be able to express, right, in a, in a way what's going on and tell the stories of our children, but we also want to protect them. And so um, I guess first, Carla, would you, would you just talk a little bit about why it is so important to protect your child's story? Yeah, I think, you know, kind of first and foremost, one thing that will be overarching as, as we talk this morning is for so many of our children, this is really all they have um, once they are adopted into a family that's going to be an amazing experience for them, but they're leaving everything behind. They're leaving their culture. They're leaving um, relationships that they may have formed while in their country of origin. Um, so this is something that definitely would need to be protected and something that they have a say in how it's shared or where it's shared or who it's even shared with. So 
Lauren does an amazing job um, just on social media in general. She uses her platform well, not only for international adoption, but for other things that are near and dear to her heart. So when she brought her little Zion home, we watched her navigate this and we knew that she would be a great resource for our families as they look to do this in their own homes. Yeah, Lauren, I, I know that uh, your adoption journey personally had a lot of uh, bumps along the way. A <laughs> process that you guys thought would take a short period of time ended up taking over five years. Uh, so can you just tell us a little bit about your family's adoption journey? Yeah. So my husband, Michael, and I, when we got married in 2009, we already from the start knew we wanted adoption to be a part of our journey. And so when we were, uh, we celebrated my husband's 25th birthday. And that day I asked him if he wanted to consider kind of starting that adoption process. That was in 2012. Because um, some of the international programs, the youngest you could be was 25. So we kind of were like just eligible. And the day we were eligible, I brought it up. So in 2012, we did start the adoption process with Lifeline, looking at the international programs. And um, we were in one program for about three years before that program ended up closing. And so then we were looking at other programs and um, decided eventually to just wait until I turned 30 so that we could apply for the China program. So, yeah, so start to finish, it was almost seven years of pursuing adoption uh, before we brought home our daughter. And so it was longer than we, we knew that international adoption and adoption in general can be um, a long journey, um, lots of ups and downs. And it, it, was, it was that and more <laughs> than what we expected, but um, obviously worth it um, once we got to bring our sweet girl home just September of 2019, so nine months ago. Well, and Lauren, I mean, even as Carla has already said, you and Michael do a great job uh, utilizing the platform of social media. Obviously, you have a background in public relations and in, uh, you know, talking to the public and helping them see a journey. I think the, the personal touch by which you have shared Zion's story has encouraged so many. Uh, it's brought hope to so many. And, and I know personally, I have seen witness of the gospel of how you guys have used uh, her story. But do you have any preset boundaries for what you would and wouldn't share about Zion's story? Yeah, I, I think that that is a great question because I think that every parent, whether adoptive or not, but especially adoptive because there are extra layers there, should be considering whenever they're bringing their home their child or starting their family. So whenever Michael and I were um, waiting to travel to go pick, um, pick up our daughter and bring her home, we were having these conversations of kind of what were the boundaries? What was it going to look like for us to use, whether that's social media or other writing outlets that we've um, used in the past, to share about our story and how that connects with her story now? So a few of the things that we talked about were there, there were things that we were going to have in place um, that there were a few things, categories that we knew were going to be boundaries we wouldn't cross. But then there were a lot of gray areas of like, are we going to not want to show her face in pictures and just have, you know, only have pictures that you don't really see her or distinguishing features, features of her. Um, uh, kind of how often are we going to post, you know, are we going to share a lot about what it's like to be parents or not? And so we, you know, there were a lot of areas like that that we tried to think through. And in the end just decided we probably, we probably need to like become parents 
figure, get to, you know, get to know her, see what this is like, and then kind of work through some of those things. Um, and so that has been a journey, but there has been, there, there were some things like, um, her medical history. Um, a lot of people on this podcast might be familiar with the fact that China is a special needs program. And so there are special needs and medical history there with every child that's adopted from China. And we were not going to share that on, uh, any of our social media or other outlets. Um, additionally, there were, you know, we decided that we weren't going to share details of her story before she came into our home. We weren't going to share those details um, publicly on any platform. So uh, those two things were specific boundaries that we knew we were not going to uh, share publicly or on social media where, you know, some of those other areas that I mentioned was kind of like a learn and, and journey through the, through the process. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think even as we think through it, you know, Zion will get older. And that's one of the things that, you know, we have even had to navigate now as a family with, with teenage children uh, who instantly, the moment my wife takes a picture, goes, please don't share that on social media, or please don't go share that, or please don't send that to a friend. Uh, it's, it's almost instant now. And, and our kids, uh, because we're, uh, you know, an old school Flintstone age family, our kids don't yet have access to social media. Uh, but they do know and they're cognizant of, you know, things that get shared. And so we've, we've even at times, you know, when it's one of their birthdays and we want to put something up, we'll go and run it by them and go, are you okay if we say this, if we put this up? And so I know we've got to maneuver that, but we also look back and our kids have gone back and said, mom, why did you post that photo of me, you know, back then and, and things like that. So, you know, Lauren, I think as you're thinking about even Zion growing older, how do you plan on sharing this sensitive information with her first personally, not that that's been shared, but then how do you also plan to kind of incorporate her into what has been shared? Yeah, so that is something that I think is a helpful question for people to think about whenever they are making something that they're sharing, you know, a post, um, is to think, I think that people should post knowing that there is the chance that your child will see this someday. Mm-hmm. Um, so anytime I'm posting something, I'm thinking, okay, you know, if Zion is older and reading this, what will she be thinking about this? So even for those people that have private accounts, you know, my account is public, but for those people that have private accounts um, and don't have, you know, a quote unquote following, Um, It's just, you know, family and friends, maybe you still have to know that once something is out there, it's out there. And even if you feel like it's very secure and private, there are ways that people can access uh, old photos, old accounts, um, because of just the, the way that the internet is. So once you post, know that it's out there and could be accessed later down the road. So for sensitive information, I think each parent has to navigate their journey of sharing that information with, uh, to your question, kind of talking about that with their children someday. Sharing that information in age-appropriate times, if they're uh, sensitive information, and specifically if it's anything that they've shared on social media, um, being willing to talk about that with their child. And so, you know, the things that I post on social media, I expect for Zion to see someday and anticipate having conversations with her someday. If she has questions um, or has concerns about it, I, I, and, and two, as you know, she's still young. So she's not at an age where I can like ask her like, Hey, what do you think about this? Um, Cause she's two, but 
you know, as she grows older, um, and as you talked about, you know, people, you know, can ask their spouse or ask their kids, like, are you okay with sharing this? And um, I think that those are good, um, healthy conversations to have. But in the lack of being able to have those conversations right now with my daughter, I have to think very proactively about what she might think about this from her perspective and want to guard and protect um, any information that she might think is sensitive or personal or um, even just a, a loss of control by having that information out there of her, her own story. So it's really taking a perspective of thinking of her first whenever I'm you know, sharing either a picture or a caption uh, and, and how I'm deciding to post that or not. And um, yeah, and so I, I do think that having that kind of mindset to your point about talking about posts when she's older, I, I'm trying to now have the lens of knowing that that could be the reality and having that expectation for how I filter my posts today. And you know, Carla, as I think even for most of us, as we were coming up, our parents didn't have social media that they were posting us on. But, you know, probably most of us have those family photo books that when your friends came over, you guarded with your life that they didn't go up to go look at pictures of you or, or embarrassing moments of you. And, uh, and I remember, you know, with horror one time coming in and seeing a group of guys with a photo book that my mom had placed on their lap of photos that I was like, oh, my word, this is I'm never going to live this down. But, you know, times are changing and we have to categorize and we have to catalog our kids stories. So, you know, from your perspective, why is it important as well that families are posting these good things on social media? Mm -hmm. So that's a great question, Herbie, and I laugh when you talk about moms pulling out the photo albums and things like that. That brings back some fun memories. But um, I feel like there's just such a balance, and Lauren has mentioned kind of, you know, self-control. There's, a, there's a, big, a big part of this conversation is just self-control because as, as, as people in the adoption community, especially in process, you just get so excited, you know, whether it's a positive excite, excitedness and you just want to put it all out there because you're excited in that moment. And at the same time, we do the same time with, we, we, we do the same thing with negative thoughts. Um, our first inclination oftentimes when something negative happens in our process or even post adoption is to go to social media because that's kind of become the community for people. Um, and, you know, we need to remember kind of thinking beyond that moment, as Lauren has said many times um, in, what, in, in what she's been saying. But we also need to think about just what the, just the, the presence of the adoption community and what the message that is sending to people that may just be getting started or may not have kind of the roots and the grounding to know this is a process that kind of ebbs and flows and goes up and down and there's going to be positives and there are going to be negatives and that they're only re reading negative things that could have a negative impact on the adoption process as a whole and ultimately meaning there will be less children coming home. Mm -hmm. So just having that self-control to think beyond your own needs in the moment and just what this looks like in the bigger picture for your child, um, for other families coming behind you and just for the adoption community as a whole. Yeah, I think those are good words, and certainly that's something that, that you know, we, we take for granted because we do want to share. And as parents, it's, it's, you know, it's like I remember my dad opening up his billfold and 
pictures falling out as he's showing all of these moments. You know, the difference is you, you can't go, I mean, unless you steal my dad's billfold back then, you can't access those things without his permission. And so many things that we are putting out, we just got to be cognizant of it. It doesn't mean that we are fearful and it doesn't mean that we don't do it, but it means that we are cognizant of those things. You know, kind of shifting a little bit and just telling a story. You know, Zion has an incredible story one day to tell. I mean, of God's hand of grace on her life um, and things that we don't even have enough time on this podcast to even begin to, to, to talk about how God has literally rescued this sweet little girl so many times and put her where she is today. Uh, Lauren, how are you and Michael even preparing now to equip her one day to be able to appreciate her story, but then also tell it for what it is? Yeah, that's something that, you know, Michael and I feel uh, privileged to be able to try and steward well is um, not only her story and how that intersects with our story for now, but then someday helping her to have the voice to tell her story for herself in the way that she feels comfortable. So for parents, adoptive parents, we were parents of children from hard places, and we have the, that privilege of walking them through the healing process. And I think that part of learning to tell our own story and for our children, for them, helping them to learn to tell their own story is to become comfortable with it and understand it for its complexity um, and going through the healing process of grieving those things that are hard because we all have, sto- our, all of our stories have good and easy and fun parts, and we all have broken, hard, and dark parts of our story. And, and that's no different and he's even more so for our kiddos from hard places. So for our children, uh, for adoptive parents, for our kids that are, we're raising and wanting them to know about their story and sharing those um, details of their story um, throughout their life in the age appropriate ways. Um, it's, it's our responsibility to help model, first of all, how, you know, for me and Michael, how we model accepting both the good and the bad and the hard things of our own story and helping Zion to see that it's okay to grieve. It's okay to wrestle through the hard things and accept that, um, uh, not dismiss it, but accept the hard things and, and wrestle through that and bring that to God. And so hopefully as we model that, that'll also uh, help Zion to, um, hopefully as she's kind of growing, to peel through the layers of her own story that God's given her and to wrestle through that and um, eventually hopefully have um, acceptance of the hard things and not dismiss it and recognize it in her own story. And then that will give her the strength to use her own voice, to share the parts that she chooses to share of her own story. And, and, and the things that she doesn't choose to share is that's her choice and that she has the control over that. And that we, we in terms of kind of this conversation and protecting her story, don't want to take away the opportunity for her to decide what are the appropriate things of her story that she wants to share and what are not. And so we have the responsibility to steward that, to protect that, and then to help show as an example how to come to terms with our own story, both the good and bad, so that she can someday have the opportunity to share that with her own voice and make that choice for herself. Mm -hmm. I think that word is, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think you mentioned something so important when you talked about healing, because I think as we've seen um, the children that have been adopted through our ministry here at Lifeline, as we've seen them get older, we've seen some amazing stories that they've told on their own because their parents did facilitate that healing in them, but also gave them time to process before feeling like it was necessary 
to tell that story on their own or to be the ones, you know, on social media promoting it. So we've really seen some amazing um, teenagers tell stories, you know, um, that have all the parts, like you said, you know, the, the brokenness of where um, their lives started and how the Lord just used um, their families and just the, the other, other resources to bring them um, to him, to draw them to himself. So we've, we've really seen that come full circle. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. And, and I, I love the, I love the word steward because as parents, we're constantly stewarding Mm-hmm. our children. And, and I think for a grace perspective, you know, we're always going to make mistakes in, in all things um, that we do. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, at times being too free, at t- times having too much grace, at times being too strict, at times sharing too much, at times not sharing enough. Um, but we, we want to grow our children up understanding that imperfect parents serving a perfect God was stewarding your story the best we possibly we mm-hmm. could. And, and that stewardship is so, so important. Well, well, Carla, I know that even to bring this topic, there are, there have been a few recent instances of families being accused of, you know, humanitarian acts to further their own career, their own platforms, a brand, um, maybe even to become quote unquote, um, you know, rated on social media. Uh, talk about how at the center of that, uh, it's really mo- most hurtful to those that they were seeking to help. Absolutely. Um, So those of you in the adoption community may be aware that we've recently had a couple of situations um, where family stories that were more towards the negative side were very highly publicized and um, really just taken to a new level. And, you know, we're not here today to to judge the people or to, to say anything about specific situations, but just wanted to speak to, again, in those situations, um, sometimes the intent to help is um, just mis- misconstrued um, by not even the people telling the story, but people jumping in that may not understand the story and how important it is to protect, um, to again, protect first and foremost, the child. But again, um, as the world gets smaller, we're very tempted to, in our minds, erase the lives th- these children lived before coming to the to the U.S. or into their forever families. And we forget that there are people in those countries of origin that truly cared about these children, whether they be orphanage caregivers or people that knew of them in government offices and central authorities. And in this very, very, very small world of technology, Countries are seeing these posts and seeing this social media. And in their minds, we've done such a good job of vetting families and screening families. And then to, to, to be presented with social media that looks out of control and that looks like nobody's really concerned about this child anymore, but about a lot of other things happening, um, that just leaves kind of a, an unfortunate taste in their mouths about international adoption and what truly happens when children um, come to the U.S. or any country. Um, but just wanting to be sure that we consider that there are people that care about these children and that, that are following them and wanting to ensure that they are in good places and being cared for well um, by the people that, that bring them home. Yeah. And I think, Carla, I mean, I think there's even an importance as well when people, especially when adoptive parents are posting 
negativities mm-hmm. uh, about their child's story before they got them that associate mm-hmm. a country's either their poor lack of care or uh, are, are accusing a country of doing something. And I know for many, for inter-country adoption, that can actually slow down the process mm-hmm. because international countries are watching social media. You know, I, I, we, we joke around with our HR coordinator here at Lifeline as well. The, the idea that people don't understand that when you apply for a job now, people are checking your social media platforms. Mm-hmm. They're seeing what you are putting out there. Uh, they're seeing the way that you're carrying yourself on social media and mm-hmm. it's affecting their decision about mm-hmm. actually following through on, on, a, on a resume. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, families need to know countries are looking at social media platforms of families that are our prospective families. So um, it, this is so important that as stewards, not just of our child's story, of stewards of other children's opportunities that we steward well what we say on social media. How have you seen that reality play out in what you do uh, in inter-country adoption? Absolutely. Um, And like I said, I feel like this is truly born of a place of care for the child, um, people that have cared for them before their, their adoption process. But we have actually in the past several months we have heard from central authorities, you know, that have seen stories here in the United States, sensationalized stories, and they want to know um, what are you going to do as a ministry um, to um, prevent this from happening or to prevent um, a child's story being used in this way, even questioning motivation of, of families that possibly turn to social media as their first vice, um, in a negative time, um, really wanting to see our agency is going to come alongside countries and partner with them in educating families on the importance of using social media wisely in the life of a child and always protecting the child first and foremost. Um, so that's something that we hear actually in the last couple months, we've really looked at very closely as far as education and just making sure, again, that we are um, educating families on why this is important. We're not trying to be, you know, the Debbie Downers and say, please, you know, you, social media, you know, is, is totally bad or totally negative. We're just asking families, as Lauren has, has said, to, to use it wisely and to use it thinking about the best interest of children and the best interest of the international adoption community as a whole. Yeah. And I think that's so important just to, again, to be, wise, um, to be uh, innocent as doves and as shrewd as vipers with the way that we use social media. And it is such a tool for good. Um, but just like we know in God's word, any tool for good can also be used as a tool for harm. And so we've got to guard uh, with that and against that. Well, you know, Lauren, as we just close out, I know that not only are you an adopted mama who has used social media effectively, but I know that you also in, in the past have worked as a public liaison for a pretty large corporation that has a, a, a pretty large following. What are some tips that you would give to families in considering that on ways to positively use social media for change and ways to avoid using social media uh, in, in their daily practice? Yeah. Well, first I want to say, I, I definitely do not feel like an expert. And so I'm very much in the learning process. And so, um, you know, I think that even, as our stories continue forward and at, for each parent, you know, that's going to look different in different seasons. We, it'll, it'll logistically maybe look different, but I think that 
that to kind of look at overall, what's a philosophy that we can apply regardless of our situation or the number of kids we have or what our platforms are like. I think that for each adoptive parent and parent in general, as we look theologically to what we believe about the dignity, human dignity of every person that we see in scripture for those of us that are believers and believe in God's word, um, that every child is created in God's image. Every person, every child is created in God's image and has inherent human dignity. And because every child has this image of God and this and deserves this dignity, we should treat every child as they should be loved and safe and accepted in a family, whether adopted or not. Um, and so we need to be thoughtful about how we guard their stories and, and talk about their stories or their, their heritage and where they've come from their family of origins, um, all of these things, we need to be really thoughtful, recognizing them as an image bearer and that we want to be respectful of them and their story. Um, So for for parents, um, as they're kind of applying that lens, um, we also have to recognize that we live in a broken world and we're not always going to do it perfectly. Um, But as adoptive parents, we do the work to examine our own hearts and our motivations, both for adopting or for sharing a post or for writing, whatever we're doing, and that we must check our heart, put to death those selfish motivations that might be motivating us towards whatever action, whether it's adoption or a post that we think will get a lot of attention or whatever it is, Um, and also put to death things um, of wanting to impress others or wanting to have a savior complex, all of those things that can um, hinder us in, in living out our um, journey for glorifying God in all the things that we do. And, and then um, pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to have um, right motivation for the things that we do in order to glorify God. And we have the privilege of doing that in the adoption journey with its beauty, its complexity, its difficulty, And because there are so many avenues for sharing, I mean, like has been mentioned, my parents didn't have social media to share all the details or bad pictures or whatever, bad hairstyles of my life. And I'm grateful for that. So let's give our kids the same advantage of um, not posting all of the negative. Yes, I understand people want to be authentic and share both good and bad, but it can be sharing bad can be done in a discerning way. So as a parent, I I usually try and post from my perspective, not from speaking for Zion and her perspective. So for me as a parent, I can say on social media, I had a hard day as a parent Mm -hmm. and leave it at that. I don't have to share the, you know, whatever tantrum that happened or thing that puts her in a bad light. I don't need to share those details, but I can say, look, it was a hard day for me. I'm needing as up for me and my journey, like I'm needing to learn grace. This is how I need to grow. Um, that is protecting her, protecting her story and maybe her bad moments because they're going to happen. We're all, you know, <laughs> sin nature. It doesn't matter if you're infant or older, like we, <laughs> we are not perfect. And so um, I want to protect those moments of her story and focus on, look, what, what am I highlighting from my story and protecting the details of hers? So as we do that and um, be thoughtful, I think that we can, can highlight the, the beauty of adoption and um, how wonderful it is and, and also live out honestly and authentically, look, it's not perfect. It's not always easy. It's incredibly hard. There are complex aspects to it. But it is a, a worthwhile and worthy endeavor to um, pursue adoption. And it's been such a blessing, such a blessing to us. And so hopefully that's helpful for people. 
Mm, amen. Well, I, I think just in closing, I, I, I would remind us all that there are certain things, even if we take social media out, that we share with a close group of friends, a close-knit group of friends who are, are there in the trenches with us, they're living life with us, they're going to encourage us and keep us accountable. Um, and those aren't things that we share with, uh, with our church, for instance, our whole church or a whole group of people that we know. Uh, and so let's just remember, and I think especially even as we look over some instances over the last several weeks, um, especially if a child is having difficulties in your home, that is something that will live with them for the rest of their lives. And when you post that on the internet, when you post that on social media, it's something that could affect them with jobs. It's something that could affect them with future education and future opportunities. And so even in the hard times, we've got to steward our child's story well. Ladies, I'm thankful for you both. I'm abundantly grateful for the ways that y'all show the gospel uh, in your families and professionally. And thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.